Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for being here with us. I thank you for every single person who's here right now, that you are among us, that you promised that you would meet with us when we gathered, Lord. I ask that you'd bless me as I speak, Lord, that you would uh, speak what you want uh, spoken through me, Lord, and that you would empower us by your Spirit to walk in faith and to see Jesus like never before, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm excited to be sharing this morning. <clears throat> it's kind of cool if, you know, we got four weeks of prayer and then a fasting week and I get to preach at the end of that. That's kind of cool. I feel like God's laid the, the groundwork and he's, he's already working, so I'm just stepping into what he's already doing. I love you guys. I love this church. I love not the institution of the church, but the people, the, the people that are, that are Antioch, Fort Worth. It is, it is such a part of our life. We are so different because we are here with you. And so I just want to say thank you for who you are. We're starting a new series this morning. It's called Free to Run. And it's based on Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2 that talks about running the race. And we're, we're kind of in the middle of another series. We're taking a break. So you, you may wonder, you know, Jamie had the, the three-part series that was start with Jesus, pray it in, and then live it out in love. Live it out in love is going to be after Easter. So this is the Lent season we're going to do this free-to-run series. And so I get to kick it off. It's kind of fun to get to kick off a series. I want to talk to you this morning about faith. And I really am excited to talk about faith. Um, because I feel like it's uh, something God's put in my heart, and he's, he's teaching me a lot about it. The title of this morning's sermon is Laying Aside Unbelief. And if I was going to put it all in one sentence, it would be that God is calling us to lay aside unbelief and run with faith together. So may that be that it happens this morning, that he stirs us up again. So I, have, I feel like in my life, I've walked in a pretty significant level of faith, at least for me. I, I've thought, you know, how much faith is that? I, you know, I don't know. I'm sure there are people who've walked in a lot more faith. But for me, it felt like I was out on the edge. Todd talked about we did some ministry. We started a ministry, started a school. And in those times, it felt like this great adventure. We lived in this neighborhood for 10 years where we were just living out the adventure of uh, trying to bring the gospel to this community. And as that was happening... For me, that really stirs me up. I like the adventure. I like being in the middle of stuff. And so it was easier for me to, to press into God. I felt a deeper dependence on Him. I felt and sometimes desperate for Him in those times. But I spent time with Him and I prayed and I, I sought Him for wisdom because I knew if I didn't, I was going to fall flat on my face. Well, a couple years ago, we moved out of that neighborhood into a very different situation. We moved out to a farm. And it's, our plan is that eventually that's going to be a boarding school for the kids in that neighborhood. But right now, it's just a farm, and it's beautiful. So we're living out here, and just it's easy, and it's nice, and it's peaceful. And there aren't a bunch of kids looking over the fence at us, asking if they can play. And for me, something happened in that transition where the, the adventure and the desperation for God kind of got lost. And, and I was just living life day to day. And God's call to day to day faithfulness is, is maybe even harder for me than the adventure. And so I just started kind of, I don't know, hanging out, just doing whatever. 
And my quiet times that had been, you know, 30 minutes, an hour became three minutes, if, if at all. And some days I just wake up and blast through the day without even thinking about slowing down to be with God. And as that happened, what happened was I began to, to see my faith just kind of slowly go down. And the passion to seek God, I'd, I'd show up when I did have my quiet time and it was just kind of, I didn't know why I was there. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I couldn't feel like any connection to God. And thankfully, God has brought us, brought me out of that place in the last several months. But I want to read to you just from my, my journal. This is from May of last year, so less than a year ago. This is where I was at. And it's just straight up where I was at. I have an anchor wrapped around my chest. All that I see... All that I do, the anchor is there. Quiet, heavy, strong. I look up, but see nothing new. I'm here, plodding forward. A little faith, a little power, a little hope. Shuffling forward or backward, I'm not sure which. I look around, my world is small. Ten steps is a journey. More steps than that, just a distant dream. Where to go, does it matter? All directions lead me to the place I already stand. Just a different patch of dirt beneath my feet. I need to run, to ride, to fly. Wouldn't that be grand? Maybe tomorrow. And that was the end. I, was, I just stopped and that, that's... That's where I was. And that was day after day after day of just knowing there's more and knowing I, I had a calling on my life, but I was just going through the motions. And I couldn't, I, I couldn't make faith happen. I knew God was there, I, I think, I, I thought, but it sure didn't make a lot of sense in that moment. And a few days later, I was reading my journal and just looking back at this, and it was just a few days later that I was just so desperate, I started confessing everything I could confess to God. Lord, I confessed my pride and my greed and all these, I just started listing it out. And I have a little phrase in here that, that God just, I wrote so much sin in me. The next phrase is, Randy, you are glorious. And it was just this moment of God, and I don't even remember that, but I know that God just spoke it to my heart. In the middle of me not even being able to feel it, it wasn't this great moment. It's just God said, you are glorious. I made you, and I love you right where you're at. And I, I just, in that time, it was a Saturday morning, I just started writing down, Lord, I renounce these things. And I, there's nothing in it for me. I want you. I wrote, I give you full authority to come and remove those sins and spirits from my life. And I receive whatever you give in exchange. And God is so gracious. That wasn't some emotional high for me. It was just a statement of faith saying, here I am, God. And I want what you have for me, whatever that is. And it was... I don't know the whole process of getting from there to here, but somehow God, I remember there was a day, and I don't even remember the day, but he, he somehow gave me grace to commit that I was going to meet with God. 
I was going to meet with God no matter what. I was going to wake up and put 30 minutes on my calendar and just sit there. And you know what I did? I put 30 minutes, and I just sat there. <laughs> I got the Bible, and I kind of stared at it for 30 minutes, and I tried to pray, but I'd, it's like I forgot how to pray. And it's like I forgot how to hear from God. And what had happened was that yes knob that I had turned up all the way had somehow gotten just slowly dialed back. And so my yes knob was way down low. And so when you ask God to talk to you, but you're not going to do what He says, he, I think He's still talking, but I don't know for sure because I can't hear Him. And God is calling us to walk in faith. So I'm talking to you this morning from that experience. I'm coming from, from that place. And I tell you, I am excited. Coming out of this last four weeks of praying and this fasting last week, I just feel the Spirit stirring us. And He's doing something. So I, I hope you, you can hear and get it this morning. Let's turn to Hebrews 12. So Hebrews 12 comes right after Hebrews 11, which hopefully you know that. But you need to know about Hebrews 11 to get to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 11 is this chapter full of faith. It's these heroes of our faith from way back at the beginning of when God made the world all the way through, thousands, a few thousand years. It goes from Enoch, and Enoch's this guy who was so full of faith and so righteous and holy that the Bible says he just went straight up to heaven. He just went to be with God, never died, just went there. Pretty cool. I actually have prayed for that multiple times. Like, Lord, I want to be that. We just go. And there was Noah who spent a hundred years building an ark because God told him he was going to send a flood. And in spite of everybody around him, he just kept building. And he created the ark that saved him and his family from the flood that destroyed mankind. You've got Abraham, this great man of faith who left everything he had. And he went on a journey to follow God. And he became the father of the Jewish people, the father of our faith. You've got Moses. Moses was a guy who was in Pharaoh's household. He'd been taken as a slave baby and adopted into Pharaoh's household. Had everything he needed. And he gave all of that up to go back to his people and set them free from slavery. And he saw the miraculous power of God. He literally led half a million people through the sea on dry ground because God parted the sea for them to cross. And it talks about David and these men and women who saw their you know, women who had their babies raised from the dead. And, and then it talks about these people who had their stuff stolen from them because they had faith, who were persecuted, and some who were even killed because they were following Jesus. So this whole chapter is all about these people of faith. And that's when we come to Hebrews 12. And let's just read verse 1, verse 1 and 2 of Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I love that verse. The thing that jumped out to me from that this time, you know, whenever, whenever I prepare to, to share or talk to somebody, there's always something new that I get. And I'm, this one, it was really this picture of the cloud of witnesses. Isn't it so cool to think about these people, not just any group of people, but the, the greatest men and women of faith from all time witnessing us right now? 
And they're not some far off distant idea, but they're here. They can see us. The picture I have is, is uh, I'm a doctor and I got to tour these different schools when I was interviewing for medical school. And one of them had this, called it a surgical theater. And they, the operating table's there and the surgeon and the team are down. But there's this little ring of a balcony up above. And you can just kind of look over the balcony and watch them do their, their operation down there. And that's what it's the picture I have in my mind of this, this group, this witness of people that's watching us. And they're not just standing absently, just kind of, oh, that's cool. But they're cheering us on. They're saying, we've run the race, and you're in our race. It's not a different race. It's not like they finished, and they're good, and you can do whatever you want. They are watching us finish their race. And they're going, you can do it. We love you guys. God is really, really, really good. And as soon as you get here, you're going to know that. But just run and run and put all that stuff off that gets in the way. And I think there's a, a place that they would say, you know, they all had their weights that clung to them, the, the sins that they had to deal with, the, the struggles they had to work through. I think if they were talking to us this morning, they might say, your biggest struggle, the thing that, that they want to just kind of jump up and down and say, hey, listen, is this. They'd say, you live in a culture of unbelief. Not like, a little bit. You know, I, I think I, when I was growing up, I felt like I lived in a Christian nation. I don't feel like I live in a Christian nation anymore. And, and I, I would say very clearly, we do not live in a Christian nation. We were at Antioch, Waco a few weeks ago, and a guy named Drew Stedman, who's uh, on staff down there, spoke, and we, we listened to him talk. He's just written a book, actually, that's coming out uh, either this week or maybe maybe already come out. It's called The Gospel According to Culture. In the book, he just describes that we were what he called a, a nation of cultural Christianity. We, you know, what, for better or worse, the culture was at least that Christianity is kind of part of who we are. We're a Christian nation. He said that's no longer true of America. America is now defined by secular humanism. We are, in fact, an atheistic culture. And that sounds pretty harsh, but I want to I want to put some pictures to that. I want to just show you why I believe that's true. Just think about our economic system. Imagine Apple or Google or IBM or any major company coming out and saying, We have been praying. <laughs> this that. Like, no, they're not gonna do it. Or we believe God wants us to do this, and so we're gonna do it. They would be laughed at, shut down. There's, there's no room for that. And I know there are men and women of faith leading Christian companies, leading in the business world, and they're bringing a Christian mindset into the culture, but it is a counter-cultural effort. It doesn't fit into the culture that we live in today. You think about education. You know, we, we have an education crisis in our country. There are children growing up in our city and in cities all over the country that aren't learning to read and write. And as people are asking, what, we, what can we do? They want to spend all the money we've got to spend. We'll do whatever it takes to make this problem right. But the one question they won't ask is, what does God want us to do? They won't even acknowledge that there is a God who can tell us what to do. And this is our country. This is our people. 
It's not some other place. It's not some other group. It's us. In art and media, just think about the art world or the media world. I was thinking about movies. When's the last time you saw a movie? And there was a Christian who believed God wanted him to do something and he did it or she did it. Acting in faith, either reading the Bible and obeying it or just sensing God saying something and doing it. And that person was portrayed in a positive way in, our, in a movie or a TV show. Have you, ever, have you seen it? And uh, my, those of you who are in first service know that. There, there is one. I couldn't think of one, but Anda mentioned a show called Hacksaw Ridge, a movie. It's, it's not a recommendation because it's a pretty gory, violent movie. Don't take your kids to it. But it's about a war. And this man says, I believe God is telling me not to carry a gun. I'll, I'll go in the war and I'll be part of the army and I'll do what I can do, but I'm going to obey God. And they tried to make fun of him and all this stuff. You need to watch the movie. But in the end, it's him living a life of love, rescuing people, man after man after man. Because he loved God and he was just trying to do what God said. But that's a pretty rare example because if you look at a movie that has that, that's the only one I know of that actually made any money. (laughs) If you make a movie that talks about doing the right thing because God said so, it's a Christian movie, it goes in this category and nobody watches it. Because that's not our culture. That's that Christian culture. And Karl Marx said religion is the opium of the people. He said, you know, religion, he was an atheist. He started Marxism. And he said, religion is just what people turn to as their drug. They go to it when they need something. But it's just an illusion. It's a fantasy. And that's kind of how the the culture now, they're okay with, you know, if you need your drugs, go get your drugs. But it's not what's real. It's not what defines us. We are people of secular humanism. Think about the nature shows that we have on TV. You know, there's some glorious, beautiful pictures of creation and these animals, and I love to watch it. But it, make, it breaks my heart that every time I watch it, nobody talks about the Creator. They won't. They can't. Because if they did, they'd be a Christian show, and that wouldn't be okay because that's not us. That's that other thing. So we live in a culture of unbelief, and it is everywhere. It, it defines us. There's a courtroom case that my parents actually got to go to a couple weeks ago. They went to the Supreme Court, sat in on the case, and the court was deciding there's this cross, a big cross that's a monument. These women whose sons died in World War I, they built a big cross to memorialize their sons. And that was built on private land, but over time, through eminent domain, the government came and took it to build a road. And the cross was beside the road, so they just left it there. And now there's a group that says, hey, you've got to take that cross down because that represents Christianity. And so the, the debate went on in the Supreme Court, and I got to talk to my parents and even read some about it, and I, I think they're going to let the cross stand. We'll see. But the thing that makes me the most sad is the argument that had to be made to keep the cross up. And it wasn't, hey, Christians have a voice. It was, that cross should be treated like an artifact in a museum and preserved. Jesus is an artifact in our culture, but he is not an artifact. Our culture does not know who Jesus is. He is the king of kings. You told me to smile and I'm going to start smiling. Sorry, that was really, my wife said, you got to smile. You got to smile. Oh, it's hard stuff, isn't it? 
I'm gonna spend, he's the king of kings and lord of lords and he loves us and he's good. He's faithful. And just because we live in that culture doesn't mean we have to be frumpy and sad because we know Jesus. And we're drenched in this culture. But God's calling us to run this race. He's calling us to lay that stuff aside and run the race. And we've got unbelief, we've got to set it down so we can run. And I feel like there's really three groups of people I'm talking to this morning. And you may be in more than one group. You may kind of have been in and out of different groups. But I just want to kind of address all three groups this morning. So the first group, I picture is kind of younger people, but it may be older people too. It's a group that somehow here, you're either listening online or you're here in the room and you're hearing the message. So there's enough faith to have gotten you into the Christian culture. Maybe you married into it. Maybe you grew up in the church. Maybe you just walked in off the street and wanted to find out about who we are. But when you're really alone and you're really honest with yourself, you would say, I'm not really sure. I don't really know about this whole God thing. That I, I just I wonder, is it real or not? I'll, I'll keep kind of going through the motions because it works and it's fine, but, but I certainly wouldn't be one to step out in faith and take a risk on this thing. Because I don't know. So that's group one, and I think there are people in this room and people listening to me that are in that group, and I just want to say, I love you. (laughs) I've been there. When I was 21 years old, I was doing a mission summer. I was going to spend my whole summer doing mission work. And the summer started, we went to, to Thailand to work with a Buddhist culture there and some missionaries that we knew. And we came back and we spent the rest of the summer taking classes in the morning, studying the Bible. In the evening or in the afternoon, we'd go out and try to live out the gospel, live out what we learned. And I was doing this, and one day I was supposed to share to the class the next morning something, and I was just trying to get ready, trying to figure out something to say, and I realized I didn't even know if I believed in God. Like I was trying to share the gospel with people, and I didn't know if I believed it. And it brought me to this, I was in tears. Actually, Lexi Tubbs was there in the, that night, and I don't know. She thought I was going crazy, probably, but I was just like, I don't know. I don't know if there's a God. I pray, and who am I praying to? What does it matter? And it sent me through this six months of searching. And I read Buddhist stuff, I read atheist stuff, Islamic stuff, Christian stuff, anything I could get my hands on to try to figure out what's real, what's true. Because I, whatever it is, I want to follow that. And if I'm in Thailand telling people there's only one way to God and His name is Jesus, I better know that Jesus is real. And at the end of that six months, there wasn't like this light bulb moment. But I remember just coming to the conclusion. It's, it's kind of like Peter said in the Bible. He said, Jesus, where, where else am I going to go? You've got the words of life. And, and Buddhism doesn't have it, and Islam doesn't have it, and atheism doesn't even make sense to me. But Jesus, he's the best way I know to make sense of the world. And so I said yes to him back then. And now I can tell you from experience that he's real. But back then it was just my head. I had to figure out the facts. And for some of us in this room, that's where you got to start. You got to go, you got to figure out the facts. You got to look. Okay, so there's another group. The second group is a lot of us, I expect. So you've stepped out in faith. You've found God to be true and faithful. You've experienced him in all kinds of ways. But if you've done that for long enough, 
you've also been really disappointed. You've done something, you stepped out in faith, and you fell flat on your face. And it hurts. And, and you're not going to give up your faith, but you're just going to kind of filter a little bit more. You're not going to do that again. Maybe it's you prayed for healing and, and somebody didn't get healed. I remember my, I remember it wasn't very long ago, my son, the start of his senior year, athletics is a really big deal to him. And in a pre-season practice scrimmage, he has this little block and he, he threw his arm out and it tore something. And we didn't think it was a big deal until we went to the surgeon and he said he needs surgery and he's going to be out for six months. So he can't play football and he can't play basketball and he might not even be able to do track. And for him, his senior year, that was like, we wept together because that was so important to him. And so we thought, we're going to come and we're going to ask God to heal. And there were some other boys in the school who'd been hurt. So we just gathered the school, the families, kids, and we said, let's pray. We believe God's the God of healing. And we prayed. We prayed hard. We prayed with faith. And we fell flat on our face. And nothing changed in that arm until he's, by God's healing power, healed now. But it was not a miraculous moment of healing. And those are hard times. And and what do you do when that happens? Maybe you stepped out in faith at work and you boss and your coworkers began to reject you and ridicule you and you stood up for what's right and, and it just didn't work and nothing changed. What we tend to do in those times is we, we take that yes knob and we just turn it down a little bit. Like, okay, I'm going to say yes to this. I'll show up at church, but I'm not going to say yes to this. And that filter keeps us from experiencing God. So there's a third group. And this is the group I'm, I'm going to challenge us all to step into this morning. This is the group that I believe God is moving us into. And that's, uh, i got a picture actually to show you. I like this picture a lot. There, there it is. That's where, that's where we're headed, right there. All right? So for those of you listening online, it's a picture of a man walking on a tightrope with a man on his back. And it's actually a real photograph. So this is Charles Blondin. This is back in the 1800s. And they're walking over Niagara Falls. So if they fall, they die. <laughs> There's no, like, rope or safety thing. If he falls, they both die. And the guy on his back is a guy named Harry Colcord. And Harry Colcord was Charles Blondin's manager. So Charles Blondin did all these cool tricks, and everybody clapped and cheered. But Harry Colcord was his manager, and he said, Yeah, I think I'll jump on and go with you. So he's on his back, walking across Niagara Falls, and if they fall, they die. And this is the group that I'm calling us to join this morning. I want us to jump on the back and run across Niagara Falls with God. Because God is inviting us to something like that. I want you to picture just for a moment, just kind of stare at the picture and imagine you're Harry on on the guy's back there. And you're looking around, there's these crowds roaring and cheering, and you're about 200 feet over Niagara Falls. And you've made it through the hard part, and you're pretty sure you're going to make it. Right? You're, you're coming back down the home stretch. That feeling of, like, I am walking across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. Can you just picture it? Does that sound fun to anybody but me? No, okay. I think the first service felt the same way. I just think that's so cool. 
That's what God wants us to do is to live this adventure. It's what you're made for. You're not made to sit on the sides and cheer for somebody else to get in the game. And maybe the tightrope picture doesn't work for you, but get a picture of walking in the glory of God and experiencing the fullness of who he is. That's what he's calling you to do. And he's saying, you don't have to know how to walk on a tightrope. Just jump on my back and let's go. This guy, Blondin, he did all kinds of stuff. He somersaulted across. He sat on a chair and drank wine. He, he actually took a stove with firewood, walked out onto the tightrope, put the stove down, made a fire, cooked an omelet, lowered the omelet down to a boat below so they could eat an omelet on the tightrope. Like he, he knew what he was doing. And so God is way better than this guy at knowing what he's doing. And he says, trust me, you can jump on my back. You don't have to stand on the sides and watch. We can go. I want to read you a quote. This is what uh, Blondin said to Harry when, when he was about to jump on his back. He said, look up, Harry. You are no longer Colcord. You are Blondin. Until I clear this place, be a part of me, mind, body, and soul. If I sway, sway with me. Do not attempt to do any balancing yourself. If you do, we will both fall to our death. So he's like, okay, you, you don't have to know, you don't do anything. You walk in faith. You just hold on. I'm going to get you to where we're going. This is what God's calling us to, and it's glorious, and it's good, and it's beautiful. So what do we have to do to lay aside our unbelief and start running this race? What do we need to lay aside? There's a few things. I'm just going to mention four things this morning that, that God is calling us to lay aside. The first one is doubts. And again, that doesn't seem real profound. If you're going to walk in faith, you lay aside doubts, right? I almost used the word cynicism, but I thought if I used that word, most of us would go, I'm not cynical. <laughs> I'm not cynical. But the truth is, it just feels normal for us to start with doubt. It just feels normal for us to not believe. And that's not the way it's always been. We live in this culture that is so heavy with unbelief, we don't even know that we're not believing. And God's saying, if you'll lay down your doubt, if you'll just start with neutral, then I will show you who I am. If you'll just, just with an open mind come and say, I want to know what's true, then he will show you what's true. He's not trying to hide. He's not running from you, and he's not hard to find. The Bible says that he's hidden, not that he's hidden, he's hidden eternity with our hearts, but it says that in creation, who he is and what he is is evident to every single person in the world, that he hadn't hidden himself, that in creation, you just got to look and he's there. And it's not hard. I woke up this morning, I looked at the sunrise. I don't know if you guys saw the sunrise this morning. It was glorious. It was purples and pinks and yellows and oranges. And I just listened and there's birds all around. And I just thought... I don't struggle to wonder if there's a God. I know somebody made this place, and I just want to walk with Him. So the second thing to lay aside is fitting in. Oh, one more thing on the doubts, i got to tell you. So that Charles Blondin guy, he did all this in Niagara Falls. And there, there's a story I was reading, and it says, there was one guy in Niagara Falls who said, Charles Blondin, that dude that ran across the tightrope? No, no such person. And he lived in Niagara Falls, and Charles Bonner was there if he'd just go watch him to see. But he was convinced there was no guy like that because that can't happen. And we live in the presence of a holy, good God. 
And he's right here to see if you'll just look. But if you're convinced he can't do anything, you're not going to see him do anything. Because you're going to be stuck at your house assuming who you think you know. Okay, now fitting in. We got to give up fitting in. And I got to hurry. Okay. Um, this is for the cool people. So I'm not one of the cool people. For me, it was an intellectual decision to walk in faith. I just had to figure out all the facts, and I was going to do what was right. I was going to follow whatever was true. Some of us figure out what's the best thing to do by what everybody else is doing. You want to fit in? You want to kind of go along with the crowd? And how does that work? And, and I love that there are people like you guys, because I'm jealous of the cool people. But the truth is that God is calling us to stand up for faith. And you can't be cool and be like everybody else and walk in faith in this culture. If you're going to walk in faith, there are times it's not cool. And that doesn't mean you're not attractive and that people won't enjoy being around you and you're not whimsical and people want to be with you. But the truth is that if you are willing, that you have to say, I'm willing to walk in faith even if it means some awkwardness, even if it means some rejection. And so I bless you to be awkward as you need to be awkward because the kingdom of God is advancing against a different culture. Okay, the third, fourth thing is selfishness. Can, aren't these profound? Like give up, doubt. Yeah. We, got, we can't be selfish and walk in faith. So my wife was having a conversation with a friend recently. They were talking about something they should do. And the friend said, well, it'd just be easier not to. You know? <laughs> let's, just, let's just not. And I think the primary reason for unbelief in our culture is not a lack of evidence. It's not that we don't have enough to see of God. It's that we don't really want to believe. Because if we believed, we'd have somebody who had the right to tell us what to do, and we don't want that. And if you just start by going, okay, I acknowledge that there can be someone who has the right to tell me what to do, that gets rid of 90% of the doubts right there. And then it's a matter of just saying yes to God. Having a master is not convenient, but it's the only way to live. Because we can't figure this out. If you've got to walk that type rope on your own, you're going to fall. You don't make it. Okay, last one, busyness. We need to give up busyness. In my own personal experience, when I don't slow down to meet with God, this weight of unbelief gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And it just doesn't make sense sometimes to look at God. You know, I look around and I go, yeah, I'm not sure. Well, you know, I think I believe, but... But everything else, they're telling me this. If I don't get in God's presence and let Him tell me the truth and remember who He is, then I lose my faith. It just kind of gets heavy. All right, so what do we need to do that will help our faith to grow? Our faith grows. So, so we lay aside the doubts. We lay aside fitting in. We lay aside our selfishness and our busyness. And our faith grows. I've got a couple things I want to share. The first one is our faith will grow when we don't have any filters. So here's how it works a lot of the time for Christians. God speaks. I weigh God's words, filter them, figure out what I think about them, and I respond on, on what I get out of that. And when that happens, I don't hear God. I don't get to experience God because I'm filtering God. And God's word has power, but when I filter it, the power gets filtered out. God is calling us. He's saying, it's really simple. I'm going to speak, you're going to hear, and then you do whatever I say. And if you'll do that, it's just really easy. 
Not easy. Simple. It's really glorious. And, and it's not willpower. It's not you just buckle down and do it. The way to do this is we fix our eyes on Jesus who gives us the faith, who perfects our faith. And if we'll look to him and who he is and just say, Jesus, I trust you. And all I've got to do is hold on to your back and we're going to make it. And I can close my eyes if I want to, but we're going to get there. That's what he's calling us to. So I'm, I'm challenging you this morning. Take the filters off. When you come to God, when we come to God, let's take the filters off and just say yes before we get there. So what does it look like to do that? Well, maybe you, you feel like I can't hear God. I can't, um, I, I don't know what's God and what's not. Well, I've got a couple suggestions for you. The first one is this. The last four weeks, Jamie preached about prayer. So pray. <laughs> We've been talking about prayer for four weeks. Have you prayed? That's a really simple, not out on a limb kind of thing. But God says pray. So that's an easy one to start with. Let's just start praying. Or maybe you're not sure, you, 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 you don't know what God says. So, so here's my other suggestion. You come to the Bible and you say, God, I'm going to do whatever you say. Whatever you tell me today, I'm going to do it. And you open and you read something that Jesus said. And whatever he says, you do it. Do it right then, right now. So maybe you open it up and it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. You're like, oh, I don't want to go into all the world. I'm not going to Africa. Well, just go next door or go to somebody and tell somebody something. I, this week, there was a guy that's at my work. He's kind of visiting there for a while, helping us out. And I just felt like God wanted me to tell him that God loved him. So I'm working all day long thinking, I got to tell him, I got I to do this. At the end of the day, everybody leaves and he's still there. And I say, hey, man. I just want to tell you God loves you. He's like, hey, thanks. And that was it. And it wasn't a big deal. And I hope that encouraged him. I don't know, but I just said yes and did what God said. And it's just that simple. It's not complicated. Okay, last thing. Faith together. Our faith grows when we have faith together. So my picture of this is actually Chris and Tiffany Guile not long ago said, hey, we're out of shape. We got to get in shape. And I was like, I don't mind being out of shape. I'm good. <laughs> but they twisted, twisted our arm and made us commit to a 5K. And they gave us this plan, the couch potato to 5K plan, which I hate. <clears throat> and, and I'm doing it, but the reason I'm doing it is because they're making me do it. Can I just say that? I wouldn't be doing it without them, without this community, without us helping each other out. And God need, God's telling us we need each other. If, this is, if we're going to walk in faith, we're going to walk in faith together. There's a prophetic word that we got, this is maybe 20 years ago. A guy named Barry Wedrett came from uh, Australia. And he was, I don't even know, the only time I ever encountered Barry Wedrett was this one morning up in the golf court concourse in Grapevine, what, years ago. He said, this church is going to be a place where God kindles his fire of faith. He's going to light this fire, and he's going to take people, men and women of faith, and he's going to put them in the fire, light them on fire, and launch them to the nations. And I believe God has spoken that word, and it is coming to pass among us in Antioch here. But God's calling us to light the fire, and everybody's got their piece of faith. Everybody's got, it's like a log you bring. You know, you may have a little stick, you may have a big oak log, you may be carrying, you know, a big old trunk even. But bring whatever faith you got. And let's bring it together and see God light our faith on fire together. I was sharing the story earlier. My, we moved out to this farm, and I, we cleared a bunch of brush. And there was a pile. It was big. It was a big pile. 
And I thought, let's light this thing on fire. And, you know, that's what farmers do. <clears throat> so we lit it on fire, and it was a really big fire, like bigger than we wanted it to be. And so the trees that were 15 feet away, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, it's going to catch the tree on fire. That's going to go. And it was Josiah, my son, ran and said, Mom, Dad's going to burn the house down. And he ran to get a fire hose. Uh, so that's the fire we're talking about. I'm not talking about a little campfire we can kind of get cozier. I'm talking about a fire that rages out of control because the only thing that stands up against a culture of unbelief is a culture of faith. And God is calling us to be a culture of faith. So this week, I'm, I'm calling us to this. Stand up. Actually, stand up while you're standing up. <laughs> I'm about to tell you to stand up anyway, and I just didn't want to confuse anybody. So, uh, yeah, worship team come up, ministry team come up. So this week, I'm calling us to two things. Stand up to Jesus and just say, Jesus, I will take the filters down. I will say yes to you before I hear the words, before I hear the question, before I hear the command. I'm just going to say yes. And as you do that, what you're going to find is that God shows up, that you experience God and you find him faithful. And when you find him faithful, my encouragement to you is tell somebody else about it. Because I need to hear it. I need to hear of God doing miracles. I need to hear of God changing lives. We all need to hear it together. When we bring our faith together, it just stirs it up. So tell somebody this week what God's doing in your life and step out in faith. There is a culture of unbelief that we're living in. There is a real battle that we fight, and we cannot do it alone. And God really is calling Antioch, Fort Worth, to be a place that has a culture of faith. We serve the God of miracles. We serve the God who really does miraculous things day in and day out. And we're going to see, I feel like we're just at the beginning of it. I say the beginning. We've been walking in this for a long time. But there's so much more that God has for us. I just envision, what does it look like when the kingdom really happens? What does it look like when men and women are just walking in it and people are getting healed and lives are getting changed? God's calling us to be that people. And it starts with every one of us laying down our unbelief and just coming up in faith and saying, Lord, I am here and I surrender. So I want to invite you. I want to ask everybody to respond in some way. Come up front, if you will, and just or, or stay where you're at. But if you got a need of any kind, come. But if, if you are ready to just say, Lord, I'm taking the filter down, or I'm ready to start looking for you and, and lay my doubts down and just start asking the question about who you are, wherever you're at in the journey, would you take a, a step of faith this morning and come forward? Father, I ask that as we worship you, that you would open our hearts to you, you would pour out faith in this place, God, and that your kingdom would come. Lord Jesus, you are good and faithful. We love you and we ask you to meet us right now with faith. Amen. Come on down as the Lord leads you and just get prayer.